0: on the Mount Rushmore of Florida talk show hosts. And she's on your radio now. 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 It's the Joyce Kaufman Show on News Talk 850 WFTL. There's nothing more frustrating than having a delivery or an installation scheduled and they tell you... uh, Uh, Whatever Uh, They give you like, oh, it could be between 9 o'clock and midnight. (laughs) And then I'm supposed to, you know, adjust. And I'm on the air and I get a phone call. Well, we're trying to come, but we can't get an answer from you. Well, you spoke to me this morning and said you'd be there at 11. So why are you calling me now? I give up. I give up. That's all. Um, I can't worry about it. You know this it, it is this new time thing is really tough for me because it doesn't give me you know a, a a time range it's a little bit of morning, a little bit of afternoon, you know it's like i just can't can't seem to get it get myself acclimated but uh you know all things in time, right so we need another emergency declaration that's all all that I know. It's time to pull out all the stops and get this resolved once and for all. And if they don't want to help the president, then so be it. Let him do it on his own. You know, this is a, this is worth the phone and the pen. You know, there's something called the Transactional Records Access Clearinghouse and they just issued a report that was captioned newly arriving families not main reason for immigration courts growing backlog. And what it does, this report says, is that there are really some questions about the capability of the U.S. Im- immigration system to process the flood of these so-called family units. That's parents and guardians entering illegally with kids across the Southwest border, which of course is leading us to a humanitarian disaster and a breakdown. This is a total breakdown of our immigration enforcement system. What flood? Well, there's been a massive surge in illegal migrants arriving at our border with more than 76,000 apprehended or deemed inadmissible at a port of entry last month. 76,000 last month. That's the most of any February during the past 12 years. There was a 97% increase in apprehensions compared to the same time period last year. Even before this, former President Obama called this a humanitarian crisis back in 2014. And today, you know, it's just that much worse. But the main takeaway from this track report that I was reading, it says, at present, there is a lack of reliable data on just what happens after each family arrives at the border. Different agencies, including the Border Patrol, The Office of Field Operations, ICE, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, the Immigration Court, and the federal criminal courts can be involved somewhere along the way. And each one of them has their own tracking systems. So as a result, there's no continuous tracking system that follows a family from its arrival at the border to the final resolution of the family's case. So for the past six months, what they can compare... Is just the number of families arriving at the border each month versus the number of families that make their way to the immigration court. Arrivals greatly outnumber the families in court proceedings. Even after tracking began, the data indicates that the number of family units apprehended by the border patrol or detained at ports of entry dwarf the actual number of these cases that have thus far made their way to immigration courts. In other words there are a lot more family units are being apprehended than are appearing on the dockets. That's that's pretty serious. It has significant ramifications, right, in, in how you stop this. For example, I mean, in February of 2019, 40,000-plus aliens were traveling in family units were apprehended either entering illegally between the ports of entry along the southwest border or seeking entry fraudulently or without proper documents at the ports by comparison, according to track, nine thousand four hundred and fifty three new cases involving aliens and family units were filed with immigration co- co- courts rather okay, so here's the difference. You had forty thousand that we know traveled in family units apprehended, and only nine thousand were actually uh filed with immigration courts. That's crazy. That's 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 insane. It's less than a quarter of the people who come in even get a case before the immigration court. So what does happen to the other 30,000 plus people? You know what happens? They just disappear into your country. They also part of the reason, you know, for this is the, there's a lot of barriers that a family has to surmount. Even when they successfully pass the those tests, there's going to be some weeks before their cases even reach the immigration court and that their asylum claims can be filed. So you can't directly compare the number of families arriving in any given month with the number of newly filed immigration court cases. But goodness gracious, can we just all agree that we have a crisis on the southern border? I'm so sick of having to defend that position, as though there was something cruel and inhumane about it. You just, uh, you just can't, you, you just can't excuse this. This is all political. The level of political politicization of the immigration issue is bizarre to me. This affects every single person. Why should it be a uh, conservative or a liberal? Why should it be a Democrat or a Republican um, issue? It's an American issue. A- and and every American is going to be affected by it. Every school kid is going to face overcrowded classrooms with many children who do not even, even uh, speak the language. I-, I just, you know, I, I scratch my head sometimes because I-, I don't know how to make... Make sense of it. I don't know what they're reading or what they're looking at that I'm not seeing, you know. And now we're we're gonna uh, shift the conversation. You know, the president was trying to shift it to health care. Now he's punted. He said, "No, we're not going to do health until after 2020." You know, stick with this subject. This got you the White House. This will keep you in the White House. Do what you got to do. There's obviously enough uh, Americans who are unhappy about this border crisis, that you should be able to pull this off. And if not, then we need to make the case. That's all. I'm sick and tired of being told, well, we're not sure, and it's just a crisis, manufactured crisis. Like, you could manufacture a crisis like this. Why would you? It's a crisis by the very nature of the people who are suffering by the children, by the families, by the uh, American citizens at the border, by the border patrol agents that are being forced to be social workers instead of uh, doing what they need. Would that we, uh, you know... Would that we had an opportunity to have a, dis, a discussion about this, a debate about this instead of this rancor, this anything to get Trump attitude that the media has and that the Democrats have. You know, now it's uh, subpoenaing his, his financial records from before he was president. Why don't you get busy and do something to help Americans? We don't give a rat's patoot about what the Trump uh, family's money looks like. We really don't. It has absolutely no bearing on the problems that are facing America today. You know, most of us think it's it's, uh, it's just fine and dandy that he made his millions before he went to Washington. It's you creeps who made your millions once you got to Washington that upset us. Sick and tired of seeing people who come to Washington broke as a church mouse and end up rich. You know, I got a barmaid now in Congress who's making six figures, $170,000, $180,000 a year. I doubt that uh, Ayok was making that as a bartender. So all of a sudden, she's rich. And sitting around telling me that Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, they they made a law just to keep him from being president again. You know, she's an idiot. She's a blithering idiot. And I got to listen to that crap all day long. And no sensible conversation from them. Anybody on that side. Climate change. You know, I, I can't worry about climate change right now when my border is being invaded. And neither should they be. Their responsibility is to keep us safe. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't feel safe anymore. Not when I see these numbers, thousands, tens of thousands of people just storming the border. That's an invasion by any stretch of the imagination. If it was happening anywhere happening anywhere else, there would be uh, a war declared. All right. When, when people try to invade another country, it's a, it's a real call to action. But not for us. Of course, we got to be told, well, you know, maybe you ought to be nicer. And we fall for it every single time. Lord have mercy. Anyway, if I sound frustrated, it's because I am. How many years do I have to talk about this subject? How many years do I have to talk about this subject? When is it going to be resolved? It's not going to stop until it's resolved. Anyway, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and and we'll be right back. I don't know, but the behavior that I'm seeing up there uh, is just, uh, it's just. Absolutely, positively, despicable. Yeah, really, no other word for it. Um, and now, the president, who's foolishly brought up health care, as I said when he brought it up, is you know now said we'll vote for health care when we take that, the house back in 2020. Well, you know that would be nice, but we've done that already. We've been there, done that. We gave them the house, we gave them the senate, and you ended up in the White House, and we still didn't get it. So. If you think you can sell that to uh, the public, good luck. You're going to have to do something, and you're going to have to do it quick, whether it's uh, securing the border or coming up with a better health care plan. I mean, you know, put Rick Scott in charge. I know that they're slamming Rick and accusing him of things that he absolutely didn't do, but, uh, you know. Listen, I got to talk about Puerto Rico. Everybody knows that uh, that's my heritage and I'm um, proud of my heritage. Uh, I make a mean and all the rest of it. But when the Puerto Rican governor threatens to punch the president of the United States in the mouth, I take offense at that. You know, um, if you think that's a way to get anything from this administration, you're out of your mind, first and foremost. Um Let's just say the relationship between Ricardo Rossello, Rossello and President Trump are a bit strained. Uh, because the governor, governor is upset that, uh, that some of the hurricane relief funds that he wanted, that Congress has approved and authorized, uh, President Trump is a little uh, disturbed about it. And he said, I don't really want to give any more money to these corrupt uh, politicians down there in Puerto Rico. And guess what? He's right. He he said that he will not allow his aides to be bullied by the Trump administration, and that's when he told CNN that he'll punch the bully in the mouth. What is he, Joe Biden all of a sudden? I'll take him out behind the schoolhouse. I don't know if you know who Ricardo Rossello is, but... Uh, I don't think he's going to be punching anybody in the mouth. If the bully gets close, I'll punch the bully in the mouth, Rossello said. It would be a mistake to confuse courtesy with courage. Hmm. Okay. Apparently, uh, during a tense encounter at the White House uh, last week, they were warned by senior White House officials that representatives of the U.S. territory were pushing too hard to arrange a meeting aimed at discussing the island's dire situation with the president. Despite their request, Trump has declined to schedule a meeting with Rossello to discuss recovery efforts that are ongoing nearly two years after the storm hit. Well, guess what? He's certainly not meeting with you now. If you think the way to Donald Trump's heart is by threatening to punch him in the mouth, you obviously are not paying very uh, close attention to politics in America. It just makes him fight harder. White House official denied that Puerto Rican officials were told to stop requesting a meeting with the president. And a spokesman said the administration would continue working with Rosselló and his aides on recovery efforts. But he stopped short of saying definitively that the president would meet with the governor in the future. The White House recently helped set up important meetings between the governor and HUD and FEMA. We understand that the governor is not visiting until later in April, and we look forward to once again helping set up productive conversations with administration leaders to discuss the island's recovery. I just love this president. Sorry. Um, On Thursday... Last week, he told reporters, Puerto Rico has been taken care of better by Donald Trump than by any living human being. And I think the people of Puerto Rico understand. That's when Trump's nemesis, San Juan Mayor Carmen uh, Yulín Cruzoto, pounced. Oh, boy. I'll tell you. What hogwash? The mayor, by the way, is now running. A higher office. She reminds me of, uh, remember the Louisiana Governor uh, Kathleen Blanco's performance during Hurricane Katrina? You know, she was too busy fighting to prove she's boss instead of doing her job right. President Trump visited Puerto Rico when the conditions were such that he could and the people were happy to see him. The truth is that much of Puerto Rico suffered from a lack of basic infrastructure and the hurricane devastated the island. Look, I went there right after the hurricane. I went there before President Trump went there. And I can tell you um, there is so much corruption and so much of that was exposed in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. I saw the supplies that were rotting at the port. The mayor of San Juan should be concerned um, about her own leadership abilities. And if it's any comfort to the uh, Puerto Rican governor, Houston is still waiting for the remainder of the funds approved by Congress, too, after Hurricane Harvey hit that city. And Hurricane Harvey uh, struck before Hurricane Maria. And that's only if you know your alphabet. H is before M. The difference is that Houstonians picked themselves up and got on with the recovery instead of sitting around and waiting for someone else to do something. I haven't heard of any Houston officials threatening to punch President Trump in the nose. But it was sure to get his attention anyway. Who did he tell? Jim Acosta. Um, So go figure. If that's who you're talking to, then you're probably going to say stupid stuff like that. All right. Let's take a break. Um, We'll be right back. I predicted that things were going to start getting stupider and stupider primarily because, um, you know, Americans take things to the limit and then some. And one of the things that uh, that I said was going to happen when we started having these ridiculous debates about what kind of... Um, statues should be torn down what kinds of historical statues should be torn down and i i said things like well you know if we start this and we're taking down these confederate generals the day will come she said when they will want to take down uh, the statues of the founding fathers and everybody said oh that's just silly joyce Hofstra University students are now demanding the removal of Thomas Jefferson's statue. Students at Hofstra in Long Island, where I have friends who have graduated from Hofstra, most of them crazy liberals, uh, demanded on Friday that the school remove a statue of Thomas Jefferson arguing that it is not possible for the university to have the statue on campus while also being an institution that, quote, prides itself on diversity and inclusion, end quote. Students also called on the university to train its faculty and professors to behave in a more politically correct manner. They held their second annual Jefferson Has Gotta Go protest. (laughs) I'm not making that up demanding that the university move the structure into a museum. The Jefferson statue, which has also been subjected to acts of vandalism in the past, stands in front of the university's student center, a location that some students have expressed frustration over, stating, It's unfortunate that so many students and families take photos and share hugs and smiles in the presence of the Jefferson statue. Which part of without Thomas Jefferson this country doesn't really exist? What the hell is wrong with these people? I I just don't understand them. I really don't. Thomas Jefferson was a slave owner? Guess what? In those days, many of the founding fathers were slave owners. Not many of them had babies, though, with the slaves. And he is a Listen to this. This is one of the uh, brilliant students at Hofstra. So in addition to being a slave owner and a sexual predator and just, you know, awful, it doesn't have any place, I think, on a college campus. I don't want to immortalize people who brutalize so many of the population. Really? These are the same people who run around wearing Che Guevara T-shirts. I just or, Or Lenin or Marx. Or any of the other commie uh, dictators and tyrants that killed enormous amounts of people. I just don't think that an institution that, you know, prides itself on... Let me do it in their voices because they're just so easy. I just don't think that an institution that, you know, prides itself on diversity and inclusion and, like, uh, offering such a rich liberal arts program can do both. Like, I, I think you have to choose one or the other. And it seems like Hofstra is perfectly content with choosing Thomas Jefferson over literally everything else. That's if she was a New Yorker going to a New York school. Additionally, the event included demands for the university to train its staff on how to better interact with students. What? One student was upset because a professor posted comments on Facebook which he shared his opinion that the university is wasting resources by hiring a chief diversity and inclusion officer. And so I saw this and I was like, hello, like what, said the student. So I explained like the actual like feeling of this campus, like like what it actually feels like to be a student of color and the actual situations that we're dealing with because the student population right now is 54% white. Okay. Does that student understand that America is not 54% white, it's whiter? So your college is already uh, underestimating. The student added that she's also been frustrated with the professor's response to her. He went on uh, to pretty much invalidate of everything that I said, like what my experiences were, and just told me that I was victimizing myself. Guess what? You are. And you're allowing yourself to be victimized. That's the crazy part. They did a study. I'm trying to remember what school it was at last week. They did a study where they asked white students if it would be okay if black students wanted separate dormitories, um, you know, separate buildings, separate classes. And all of the white students, too afraid to be politically incorrect, said, okay, if that's, you know, it's okay if that's what they want, right? Then they asked the black students if it would be okay with them if all the white students wanted separate dormitories and separate classes and, and, you know, separate, you know, rooms. And the black students were outraged and said, how dare you? What are you, trying to segregate the school? Now think about that for a second. It can't only be racism in one direction, right? Right. See, the white kids are so afraid to say, no, that's not right. You shouldn't be allowed to have separate but equal. It should all, we should all be together, right? The, they, they get that, but they have to deny it. Listen, I see this going on all the time. I see it in our college campuses. I see it in, in real life, real life places where people are uh, segregating themselves. Where people are are trying to draw divisive lines between communities. You know what the scariest part of this is? Because out here in the real world, you know, people who are mature and living life, we don't think about those things. We don't behave that manner. You know, when I walk in public with my husband, people don't look at us anymore. That's a huge development. Trust me. It wasn't always like that. But I'm grateful to be able to say that today doesn't seem to bother anybody. I I don't hang out with Klansmen. I don't know any Klansmen, and I don't think there are that many Klansmen. So for the most part, everybody accepts my interracial marriage. Everybody accepts my biracial kids and grandkids. Nobody makes a fuss about it except, of course, uh, you know, movements. you got to have something to have a movement about, right? So, you know, you got to... Look, Will Smith is too light-skinned to play uh, Venus and Serena's father. That's racist, okay? That's what that is. That's assigning somebody uh, and saying that they don't have the right stuff because of the color of their skin. You know, I reject that. I reject it when it's done by white people. I reject it when it's done by black people. I reject it, period. All right? I don't control the color of my skin. I was born in this skin. Billy didn't control the color of his skin. He was born in that skin. My generation had to literally fight to get people to be accepting of that fact. But those days are over. Yes, there's always going to be some uh, tribalism in any country, in any situation. It's like I always say, you want to know how instinctive tribalism is? People uh, hanging out with people like themselves walk into any high school lunchroom in America. And you will see tribalism at its best. All the Hispanic students are sitting over there. All the uh, geeky Jewish uh, kids with the pencil holders are sitting over there. All the black kids are sitting over there. All of the athletes are sitting over there. People divide themselves up for comfort. But they don't insist that nobody cross into their path because you can walk into that same high school cafeteria and you will see the baseball team and the football team and the soccer team all sitting together and they're not looking at each other's skin color. All they want to know is can you catch the ball, kick the ball, run fast, hit the ball. That's all they care about. So, uh, I'm sick of it. I really am. Now, now they want their teachers to be trained in, uh, you know, we gotta remove the, the statue of Thomas Jefferson. You have to be, uh, you have to understand the, the feelings of the subjugation in, in white supremacist chat rooms. Who the hell goes into a white supremacist chat room? I don't even know what a white supremacist chat room is. I wouldn't know how to find one. Do you Google white supremacist chat room? I mean, they act like it's a real problem, these students at Hofstra. Oh, my God, you know, we have all this uh, commentators in white supremacist chat rooms. Oh, and they love Thomas Jefferson. How do they know that? I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't know what was going on in white supremacist chat rooms. The university has responded to the students' demands by informing them that the statue isn't going anywhere. University President Stuart Rabinowitz, uh uh-oh, we can hear this coming, has decided that the Thomas Jefferson statue will remain where it is. On the one hand, Thomas Jefferson articulated the best of our ideals in the Declaration of Independence. Don't confuse them, Mr. Rabinowitz. Please don't confuse them. And was a defender of freedom in helping to create a new nation, the United States of America. Rabinowitz added that while not every founding father may have lived out the dream they had sketched out, Their words were far ahead of their time and certainly ahead of their actions. And still today, the founding fathers represent the duality of the American character and the difficulty of our history, freedom and oppression, equality and injustice in issues with race, gender, religion and origin that we have dealt with since our founding and will deal with for years to come. Yet in the document's most critical To our national character, these men of their time laid out a vision of a world in which all people are created equal. It is this vision that we celebrate and honor in our founding fathers, even as we wrestle with their human and indefensible failings. God bless this uh, Rabinowitz, Stuart Rabinowitz. I'm sure he's taken the slings and arrows from these, uh, you know, these brilliant uh, college students like, uh, you know, AOC and all the rest of them. Oh, we college campuses. Oh, we shouldn't have any any reminders of slav- slavery. Really? Go down to the southern border and see what slavery really looks like. Wow. I never, uh, I never did get to uh two of the stories that i wanted to talk about but we have the rest of the week to do that and uh it's interesting i'm gonna be talking with joe pags he's down there closer to the border than i am tomorrow on the program so you won't want to miss that joe and i have a great chemistry together um and uh lots lot to talk about Uh, Virginia Lieutenant Governor Fairfax is now denying all of these sexual assault claims, even with the new people coming forward. But don't worry, you're a Democrat. There's no price to pay when you're a Democrat. It's only Republicans that have to, uh, you know, hang their heads and leave in shame. Uh, Joe Biden will survive this, uh, all these attacks. And, And I think... To be perfectly frank, I think that the idea that Joe Biden is some kind of a sexual pervert is stupid. I think he's just creepy. And, you know, like I said, creepy doesn't mean you'll be a bad president. It's his policies that means he'll be. Actually, creepy seems to make a good president, uh, but it has to line up with good policy, in which case uh, uh, Joe definitely loses that battle. Um, Michael Brown's mother. Everybody remember Michael Brown from uh, Ferguson and the... the, uh, Uh, insanity that went on there his mother is making a run for the city council and uh that ought to be interesting i don't know if any of you remember his mom but she certainly had a lot to say Uh, if she wins she will have oversight over the police department that is connected to those deaths in ferguson missouri um leslie mcspadden is among three candidates running in ferguson's third ward on uh, next Tuesday she faces the incumbent Keith Calstrom and Fran Griffin, who has been active on several Ferguson uh, boards of course, in case you forgot uh, Michael Brown was shot by Darren Wilson, a white Ferguson officer he was a black uh, male and uh in and, and that uh, this was uh, hands up. Don't shoot, which ended up never being true, but didn't keep the press from hammering that point over and over and over again. She was among, seven, among the seven mothers of the movement that were on the stage in the Democrat National Convention, you know, the mothers who lost children in police shootings or in police custody. Only, uh, I, I believe her son was the only one who actually charged at the police when he was shot. But hey, I don't want to confuse her with the facts. Or confuse you, for that matter. Don't forget to check out the video today at 850wftl.com slash Joyce. I have posted the video of what's going on in um, Ma- uh, Mission, Texas, where 300 people a day are being bused where a 1,000 people on a, any given day may very well be stealing into the country. So you got to see this video to believe it. So thank you for your time this time. Until next time, I will be back tomorrow at 10, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. And hopefully what lies under my feet, because hopefully my carpet will be laid when I get home and I won't have to talk about that anymore. Thank you, Sharina. But most of all, thank you for listening. God bless you and God bless the United States of America.